Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey everyone, another special edition of Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. It's time for some debate. This one's all about men's rights. I know, we are. We don't have enough of a Marcus. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so this debate is with a guy named Mel Fight. He's the founder of the National Center for Men and a staunch advocate for men's rights, and he's going against a fellow named Jason Stanford, who's a Democratic strategist, uh, formerly of Planned Parenthood, and the founder of the Stanford Campaigns. So uh, enjoy the debate about men's rights. Thank you guys so much for coming out to Sweaty Nixon. Put, uh, give yourselves a round of applause. Thank you. Monday, and finally, we are, we are discussing the real issues of our time. Dude writes, um, all right, he, who is on stage with me? This fella to my right, this is Mel Fight. Put your hands together for Mel Fight, everybody. Mel is the, uh, he is the founder of the National Center for Men and is a staunch advocate for men's rights. Thanks for being here, Mel. Thank you for having me. And the, my, the fella to uh, stage right, thanks for being here, Jason Stanford. Jason Stanford, everybody. Jason is a genius person. He worked for Planned Parenthood, and he is a former Democratic, and I suppose current Democratic strategist as well. Of sorts, yes. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for being here. Okay, so Mel, I think we just have to ask the first question, why, why does this exist? Uh, uh, what are men's rights, and why are they needed? You know, it does seem as if uh, men, we really don't need a men's movement because men run the world. They run yeah. everything, right? The president, vice president, everybody's a man. Here's the thing, and maybe this is just my experience, okay? But I have a lot of friends and a lot of acquaintances who are men, and I don't know a single man who's ever been president of the United States. I mean, it's amazing. They're all just, <laughs> they're all just losers trying to, to trying to support their families, trying to put kids through college, yeah. trying to make, pay the bills, keep their, you know, if you want to know about men and how men are doing, here's what you should do. Go outside and look. I actually called the Coalition for the Homeless in New York City and asked, and they told me 90%, 90% of the adult homeless population in New York is male. Men suffer more in almost every major category of disease known to humankind. They are injured more in the workplace. Almost everyone who dies in the workplace is a man. Mm -hmm. Most prisoners are men. On and on and on. So the men's movement is not for the 1%. It's right. not. It's for course, the rest of us. You know, men are the only people that can suffer from moobs, which is man boobs. So think about that, and that's what I'm suffering <laughs> well, that's with every be, day. Well, that's going to be my next call. It's call not right. right. But you're, okay, so we'll get to you, Jason, here just really quick. I don't know anyone who is a WWE champion um, either, but I still think that men have a better chance of becoming one. Yes, and women become, have a much better chance of becoming Miss America. I mean, the fact is that we're talking about the lives of average men and women, and average men are suffering and don't have some of the some basic rights that women. I hope today we'll have a chance to talk about reproductive choice. And I'm going to just will. say one thing. You put up, you know, Elliot Roger as an example of a, a sicko, a wacko, yeah. a murderer, an evil person. Yes. As, you, you link him to a movement? You really mean to do that? Well, I mean, I link him, I link him to uh, YouTube stardom, gone crazily wrong. But not to a men's movement, please. Right. Um, okay, uh, what do you think, Jason? The men's movement, does it need to be here? There is a men's movement. It's called feminism. 
Okay, why do you say that? There has never been a better time in America to be a man. You can be whatever you want now. That we are free from the normal strictures of what used to be considered a masculine image. Your Jackie Gleason honeymooners. You know, I used to, I'm going to interrupt for one second. I have long hair. I know. You know, I used to, I actually used to do television talks a lot. I used to wear skirts a lot. I'm I disappointed. To, and I will tell you, I will tell you, we are not yes. free to be anything we want to be. I just want to make it clear. And and there are certain basic rights. Like deciding when and if you're going to be a parent. Hold on, let's let's go we'll back to it, we'll, let's we'll go, go back to your ponytail and, and skirt. I think that's a great example. You used to wear that on TV on yeah. Sally Jesse and whatnot or, or in the eighties, right? For shock value. No, not for or shock for value. Whatever. Because I was trying to redefine what it meant to be a man. You were doing and it's it. very, very difficult to do that because there's a huge double standard that allows women to be almost anything they want to be. Men, not so much, I'm sorry. And I think it's that double standard that drives a lot of gender inequality. Women can be astronauts, engineers, architects, mathematicians. It's a, a single father who raises a kid instead of going to work is more likely to be ridiculed than he is to be respected. All Sorry. right. Jason, what let me finish my man, second sentence. Please finish your sentence and then uh, address his Let's idea, go to his skirt. Let's talk okay. about his skirt. I think that's an incredibly useful symbol here. If he walked outside on the street, he said, let's go outside and talk about men. If he walked outside wearing a skirt, would he have a single worry about how women would react? They might laugh a little bit, right. but the real threat is violence from men outside. That is the threat. The idea, though, that men aren't celebrated for being good parents these days is laughable. It is so easy for me to get applause and affirmation being a dad. Whenever yeah. I'm around my kids and there's no woman around, all the women look at me like, oh, what a good dad. Right. How great. A woman doing the same thing is like, well, of course she's doing that. She's the mom. Right. Any man taking care of kids and is universally saluted. And as, you think you know, women are not saluted when they pursue careers in politics and business and engineering? Women are saluted for doing the things that traditionally men are required to do, yeah? That is true, and I think that is good progress. I think one of the tenets of feminism is that uh, you should be able to be whatever you want regardless of anyone's reaction in this world. And I think that's wonderful. Right. And but, it's not the case, I'll no, tell hold on, you. Hold on. Well, that's, I, I appreciate your view. Um, do you? I do. I do okay. appreciate that he has it. The thing is, though, women have astronomical guilt about not being able to do it all. A man can go and say, I'm going to be a dad today, and then I'm going to go to work, and I'm not going to feel guilty at all. A w women carry around this guilt at trying to have to do it all. They are still trying to evolve in in being able to have it all, but not all at once. Guys have got that figured out a lot more these days, and I think we are free from expectations, getting back to your skirt, in ways that we haven't been in the entire history of this country. So getting back, we have, we have Congress, right? There's, there's 20 uh, senators right now that are women, and I think there's 84 uh, Congress uh, women in the House. Um, why shouldn't a woman be praised for going and, uh, no, I, and I didn't overcoming? Say, I, I didn't uh, say not. I think women but you seem like you hold it against a woman when she no, gets praised he, he, for doing something. No, Jason, that, uh, Jason made the point that it's easier for women to be whatever they want to be or easier for men to be whatever they want to be, and I, I don't think that's, but the, I didn't, that's the case. I didn't make that but, point but, in opposition to women. I said no. men can be whatever they want. That has nothing to do with what women can do. Yeah, but you're making it. It's a it's debate here. It's not an either or. or. Now, the, the, the question about why there are more men in Congress in positions of leadership look. You know, things don't change overnight. And the reason that women, for example, get custody most of the time, because it's still the case, women get custody most. 80% of the time. Yeah, about that. It's not, as a lot of men will tell you, and a lot of fathers' rights people will tell you, it's actually not because um, there's a lot of outright discrimination against fathers in the family. Of course, it's actually not the reason. The reason that women wind up with custody most of the time, it reflects a historical burden that women had to take care of children. And things don't change automatically with the snap of a finger overnight. The reason that there are more men in, posi in positions of power in Congress, for example, is that it reflects a historical responsibility that men had to go to work and make a living. Things don't change automatically quickly. So when you say right. there are more men in Congress, it doesn't necessarily reflect. Over 50% of the voters in this country are women. They could change things overnight if they wanted to, yes? They could. Yeah, sure. So it's not, it's not, you know, the, 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 the fact is that you see more men in certain positions of power. But, but, you know, there are more women now in, a lot more women in college 
than men. A lot more women pursuing some the professions like law and medicine. I mean, things are not really good for men. What you see for, with men is, in addition to homelessness, you see suicides. I mean, the, the numbers on suicides are not good. And men do suffer more from every major health, uh, heart disease, cancer, stroke, alcoholism, you name it, men suffer more. Well, let's so, leave alcoholism alone. Yes. Let's go back <laughs> to the suicide, though. It is true that more men die of suicide than women. It is also true that more women, three to one, attempt suicide. Right. There is a cultural bias in this country that failing at suicide has some weaker traits to it. It is considered a failure to attempt suicide. It makes you look weak. Men, <laughs> even when they're trying to kill themselves, are afraid to look weak in this country. And so they're going to kill themselves. Women, though, three to one are more likely to attempt suicide. Right. Well, men tend to do it with a gun to their skull, which uh, yeah. And I will tell you something that a person. This is something I know that a person who takes a loaded gun, puts it to his head, and pulls the trigger is not exactly in a powerful position and doing well. Would you agree with that at least? Sure. I mean, okay. I don't. I, but I would also agree that people make independent decisions based on, on you know what they uh, they they know the outcome. Do you blame feminism for what you perceive is the new weakness of men? No. Um, well, I don't. I don't blame feminism except for the fact that I think that feminism is full of hypocrites. I think that the women's movement started out to be a movement for real liberation between men and women in the 60s. I think there was an idealism and an optimism to it that has since evaporated. And I hope I'll have a chance to talk about some of the things like reproductive choice. You know, I want to tell you something, though, first, about why I became my early childhood experience that got me to be a men's rights activist. Sure. And maybe I'm just too old now and people aren't going to relate to this. But, you know, I grew up as a young man in the 1960s at a time of Vietnam and if you were a man, you were subject to being drafted and enslaved and killed. And almost 60,000 American men, most of them who were drafted or, or signed up to avoid the draft, came back in body bags or without arms or without legs. And I will tell you something, no one here, no one, I'm sorry, no one knows anything about sex discrimination the way I know about it. It's not close. <laughs> Can't, nothing comes close. I feel bad for the poor beautiful wife that sent off her ha oh, come husband on. to, uh, to war. It's, it's, it's the person who comes back in the body bag who yeah. didn't want to be fighting the war in the first place. And right now, the New York Times tells us that a third of the nation's homeless are veterans, men who were forced to fight simply because they were men. They're now sleeping on park benches and railroad stations. It's a national disgrace. And if the men's movement did nothing else other than address that, we should have a men's Okay, so to and that I think point. everyone can agree that we need to take better care of our veterans, but that is not a gender issue. So oh, of course it's a gender Hold issue. On, the people who were drafted were yeah, men. You know, I listen to you go from subject to subject and on these endless okay, rants. So just let me finish one sentence. Yeah. I can rant. You're very good at it. I know. It's really quite impressive. Thank you. Yeah. Mel fights one hell of a ranter. <laughs> I can rant. First of all, I think we should back up a little bit and dial it down and not call service to our country and the armed services being enslaved. There's, there's a member of the audience here who has served abroad in combat, mm -hmm. and she's a woman. Now, the reason... No woman was ever drafted in this country. No woman was ever drafted, right. You that don't is, see that distinction between on, voluntary on. service and forced service? You, you don't get up, that distinction? If you shut up, I'll agree with you. Okay, go ahead. You're right. I'm right? You're right about the draft. Is the debate over? No. <laughs> you know why this only <laughs> happens to go men? Home. You know why this happened to your generation? Only to the men? Why? You know why most of the people who die in combat are men? It's not because men are discriminated against. It's because women are. We do not apply oh. the armed services equally. Right now, only in 2013 did the Secretary of Defense say that all combat positions, yeah. all military positions should be open to women. Why is draft and, registration reserved only for men still? Why is that? Comma, and. Why? Well, I'm asking you a question. I'm saying I'm trying to finish the damn thought. Just now. finish the thought. Yeah, Mel. All right, hold, Mel. Hold on, Mr. Fight. Yeah. All right. So, and that's a really good name for you. <laughs> and we, it's not only fight, it's male fight, which some people have mistaken to be male fight. I've had people in the South say to me, that cannot be your real name. You cannot be called male fight. The, the male fact fight. is that for a long okay. time, for the entire history of our country, we have not legally, as a matter of process, allowed women to serve equally in the armed services. That is changing. That is changing very slowly. There are a lot of uh, parts of the military right now that are fighting that through all of their bureaucratic means, but as of January 19, uh, 2016, we'll find out if women can serve in any position in the military according to their own abilities. Sure. Now, again, 
And, and that you, you, will address a lot of what you're talking about. And then we got to fix the draft, even though we, we haven't had the draft in a long time since Vietnam. You, so you, you do, since Vietnam, we've all agreed that we want to have an all-volunteer you, you military. Do, you do agree with me, then, that if there's draft registration, women should be required to register for the draft? I think every woman in this room would agree with you. Right. So I'm asking if you agree with me. Well, you are a Democratic Party strategist. So why yeah, is the Democratic Party not advocating draft registration for Because the draft right now is an irrelevant discussion. The draft yeah. registration yeah. is not irrelevant. Relevant. It exists. When's the last time we had a draft? There are people. Who, the last time we had a draft is when your hair wasn't silver. You're, you're misinformed. Well, we you're, don't you're know mis- that for a fact. You're, you're misinformed about it. There are men who choose not to register for the draft no, on no, principle no, we, we have who that. don't get federal jobs, who don't get aid to go to college. For them, it's we a real issue. We have draft registration, and I Why agree with you. Why would we not have registration? So, regard, for women? okay. Do you know what ended the draft? Women. Women. Um, No, right, right on. Thank you. Hold on. You know, hold on a second. I can't see you because you're in the dark. I was there. I will tell you what ended the draft. Men like myself who resisted, who refused to register, who fought back. And that's what ended the draft. And I was there. I was a personal witness to it. I'm telling you, that's my history. That's what ended the draft. Yep. Yeah, but I was there, and I'm telling you, it was resistance among men that forced the end of the oh, draft. Right. Okay. Everybody has their own life experiences. Um, but what do you say, um, Mel, the argument that it is men uh, who are in power, who are you know, sending these other men off to war. What, what, is, there a, um, is there something specifically that you think that has been done from, uh, from, you know, from women to men that has caused... Um, caused what your point of view is, you know, the weakness of the American man? I mean, who I, I don't know blaming? where you're getting this men f- are expression the... from, the weakness of the American man. I'm, not, I'm saying that men have issues and problems that have to be addressed. And, and um, for example, and we do, I do want to talk about reproductive choice, but for example, circumcision, I, f- I find it, well, I shouldn't call it circumcision because that's not what it is, it's genital mutilation. I find it really peculiar that we live in a society in which people criticize female genital mutilation somewhere else, but it's allowed to be done here to males. And I'll know, I think I know this with some certainty that, and I'll speak to some of the women who are here, that if, if somebody attacked you and in a really helpless state cut off your clitoris or part of your clitoris, you'd be calling the police. You'd want the person arrested. There'd be a national outcry for that person to be thrown in jail. And also, everyone who stood around and watched and did nothing, they'd all be arrested too. We have yeah, genital mutilation that's there. done to males. It's a men's issue. It well, should be an issue. There should be a movement to address it. We need to get a baby 911. Uh, that would be perfect. So as soon as the doctor you say you have no, 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 but, so, but I think you have a career in comedy that's going to take off because you are the only person who can, I know that can make a joke about genital mutilation. That's oh, I really, can joke about. I oh, see yeah, it. I see absolutely. It. He has a whole set on that. What? Oh, it's huge. It's a massive set. It's going to be on HBO in 2025. Um, what? Uh, what policies have you personally? You're a democratic strategist. You've worked with the left. Um, what have you personally seen? What have some been transitions uh, policy-wise that are more acceptable now than they were in the 90s when it comes to um, you know, being, aware of this, being aware of the poverty rates among men and things like that? Because, it, you know, I mean, because, you know, it, it, let's, the majority of homeless people are men. That's okay. correct. We'll yeah. do that. 90%. Has there been any... Well, problem? I think a lot of the reason that most of them... First of all, I think there's a, a predisposition among men not to seek medical care. Right. That's that, why they're homeless? That figures in, no, I think that figures into it. Do you think that's society woman. telling men not to? Because I know I, I refuse know. to seek treatment, and I probably should. I, I, don't, I have no idea. Maybe it makes them feel weak, and they don't want to go see a doctor. Right. Or they're just annoyed like I am, and I don't want to like, get up out of my bed and go to see a doctor. Right. The other thing is, the, the other thing exacerbating the gender imbalance and the homelessness is the fact that the, a huge chunk of them are veterans. Until recently, we didn't have a lot of female veterans. So I think right. what we're seeing is the hangover from the Vietnam generation when we didn't have a lot of women serving abroad. And we didn't, you know, had they been there, we'd have a lot more female homelessness. And maybe that would, maybe we'd have a different reaction to it. I can't speak to the hypothetical. Right. Let's go on to the reproductive rights then. Uh, obviously, the, uh, the onus is on the gal. She has the, she has the power uh, to choose in most states. Um, not always, for sure. But uh, what, do you think, uh, what do you think about the power structure between um, reproductive rights is as far as, 
uh, you know, a man is in there. Maybe he wants to keep the child. He loves this woman, and uh, she chooses uh, to abort. It did happen to a, a buddy of mine. It does happen. Sure. Uh, what would be something that you could see, like, legally on the books? How do you legislate something like that? Or what's your, what's your thoughts on the current um, uh, dynamics there? I think, first of all, i got to say that I'm not speaking from Planned Parenthood. I'm only speaking for myself here. Okay. Um, because when Planned Parenthood does speak, legislatures try to shut them down. The idea that a woman should be a allowed to have agency and full decision-making process over her reproductive health is still a, a radical idea in many, many parts of this country. And I say this as a 20-year resident of Texas. Right. Um, I think where we are in the, the admittedly real but undeniably rare instance that you're talking about is we have a legal bias in favor of the woman who will actually carry the child. It, okay. you know, as soon as men get to get pregnant and carry the child, I imagine the law might get different. I can't wait till I have a baby inside of me. I and think be like, why are you so fat? I'm like, leave me alone. I'm pregnant. I, I hear you carry beautifully. Oh, it's going to be yeah. such a wonderful little drunk, weird looking thing. Yeah. I think a lot of the problems we have with uh, the legality of certain reproductive uh, access to reproductive care, uh, uh, prenatal care, uh, whether it's for, um, you know, through Medicaid and, and uh, those programs or whether it's the rights of abortion health centers to be, stay open, you know, whether they're, you know, regulated into being closed as they are in, in many states. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that we're talking about male legislators making decisions for female patients. I mean, I, I don't think there's any way around that. There are, there are standards being applied to reproductive health care in many parts of this country that are not applied to health care that applies to men. Um, uh, abortion is an outpatient service. Right. So are vasectomies. We never hear, and they both have something to do, uh, admittedly, with reproduct reproduction. Legislators never pay attention to that. They are more than happy to defund funding for uh, birth control pills, but damn, they are never going to touch Viagra. Right. So I, I, there, are, there is a huge gender imbalance on this. Um, so yeah. thoughts on the reproduction uh, when it comes to the pills? A lot of times not being sponsored by uh, health care, you know, for religious, uh, you know, reasons by employers. But everybody's allowed to have a rock hard boner whenever they want. Uh, what do you think about that, Mel? Yeah. Incidentally, he brings up Viagra. The makers of Viagra are people who are really happy with circumcision. For them, you know, you it works You are obsessed out. with the foreskin. Well, I, it, it, no, I'm obsessed with genital integrity and health. That's, that's, <laughs> so here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm not gonna, I, I don't I wanna disagree it. with you. I actually consider myself to be a pro-choice man. I think that if you consider yourself, and I have respect for people who are pro-life, I have friends who are pro-life, I respect that position. Uh, but I think if you're a pro-choice person, the place to be is the men's movement. I don't think the women's movement, uh, I think it long ago I abdicated any uh, advocacy for choice. Uh, I think Why it's do you all, say that? Well, I'll tell you, uh, you know, I was watching a show, I think it was PBS or C-SPAN or something, I don't remember what, but anyway, there was a panel of women and they were uh, talking about women's reproductive choice and there was a woman in the audience who got up and she said something that was so eloquent and it just, it was so precise and so focused. And to, she said, with such conviction, she said, Consent to sex is not consent to procreation. And everyone applauded, all the women in the audience applauded, consent to sex is not consent to procreation. And I thought to myself, you know, I could use that line, because that's how I feel about it for myself as a man. So I did, I was doing a talk show at the time, we were doing a lot of shows, and I went in front of an audience of men and women, and I said consent to sex is not consent to procreation. I didn't get any reaction from any Woman, well, you know, here's the state of reproductive choice now in 2015. Tell me if you don't agree with this. No woman, no woman is ever, ever, ever required to support a child she didn't first choose to have. For women, for Ludicrous. women. Ludicrous. Jason, speak on that. Let's go to South Texas where they closed down all of the abortion clinics, okay? You have to drive one day from Austin or San Antonio and then drive one day back. And women that have to go to a, a subsidized place like that, they cannot afford two days off work. They are not consenting. They are forced into these decisions by a legislature that does not believe in abortion. These, this, these governments are making it so hard 
to choose, that there is effectively no more choice in these places. And one that of the, one, one, excuse me, but one of the reasons I think for that is that pro-choice men like myself, and maybe this is not the case in Texas, but liberal, progressive, pro-choice men have come to understand that the women's movement doesn't support choice for us. And, and so we've abandoned the reproductive rights So movement. do you think this is a, uh, first of all, it's very sad it's 2015 and women in Texas have to live like a character in no, Oregon no. Trail right. to go get an abortion and travel for 24 you hours know, and come so back. But, yeah. uh, but why is why is this in, if a, if a man wants uh, a girl to get an abortion, they mutually agree, there's no access in Texas, aren't both people completely screwed here? Aren't this? No. If, if, a, if a man and woman have, if they talk before they have sex, and if... No, why would she have sex with me then? Well, it's terrible. Um, so that's been my mistake. Uh, no, so, 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 no, if they have a discussion and if they mutually agree that they're going to have an intimate life, that's what Roe versus Wade stood for, by the way, the right of a woman to have an intimate life, a sexual life without giving up reproductive choice. That's the basic principle of Roe versus Wade. It has to apply to people with... Uh, external reproductive systems as well as internal reproductive systems. Um, you know, I, in, in my mind, if a man and woman discuss it and they agree that they're going to have an, a sexual life without bringing a child into the world, and if then she later says, uh, sorry, I'm going to bring this child into the world anyway, and you're going to be responsible for it. And I'm not sure what you would call that, but I know it's, it can't be consensual sex. His consent has to matter. What he wants also has to matter, and right now it doesn't. And I do have a question for you because you do work Hold with... Hold on. I think you, have a, you raise a really interesting point. What you're arguing for implicitly, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that the man in this case should have equal say or even veto power no, over the No, absolutely not. I didn't no, I didn't I, maybe I didn't say it clearly. I think a woman's a woman's body, I believe it should be her choice. I think she should have control of her body, but he should have some control over the decisions that affect his life. And if he didn't consent, I think parenthood, I think this is what planned parenthood means, Jason, that Parenthood should always be a choice. It should never be something that is forced on someone by the government simply because you choose to have a sexual relationship. And, and par parenthood essentially should be planned. So I want that to apply to women as well as men. And I'm not sure why, if you're with Planned Parenthood, you wouldn't agree with me on that. Well, well I, I, I got to tell you, I, I feel so much more empathetic to women right now having been a former Planned Parenthood strategist and just having Planned Parenthood mansplained to me. Okay. That's a unique experience. Is, is, is the name of your organization? But, now, hold on a second. Yeah. It's because the reason a man can't opt out of his obligations if a woman decides to have the child is because his rights and her rights are no longer the most important thing. It's the responsibility to take care of the baby. That's what's most important here. And whether or not he says, oh, I'm out of here, I never wanted the baby in the first place, sure. doesn't really matter at that point if the baby needs milk. You know that Planned because Parenthood average... just recently defended a woman in Indiana who threw a live baby, she gave birth, she tried to induce an abortion, she gave birth to a live baby, threw it in a trash dumpster, and Planned Parenthood is coming to her defense, but you won't defend men who want basic human rights, the right to decide about whether to be a parent or not. The double standard here is so huge, is my I, I don't. I just don't think anyone's talking about the choice of the baby. What does the baby want? The baby you wants know, to eat. In New York, in New York, in New York, a woman, the law says, a woman can take her newborn infant and bring it to a, uh, an emergency room, a police station, a fire yeah. station, walk away, no questions asked, no responsibility to the baby. Tell me what you think would because happen, Jason, if a, a man... Tell me what you think throwing it away in the dumpster. Yeah, you, you're, you're you arguing both, both sides of no, that Tell point. me what you think if a man took advantage of that law and basically took the baby, picked the baby up, brought it to the hospital emergency room, and walked away. Would he be free? I the think law. in either case, the parent who's not there can go claim the baby. I don't think if a woman takes the baby to the fire station. It's anonymous. Station and, it's anonymous. No one would know it. And the dad's looking around and he shows up and he finds the baby. If I'm he sure finds he can get baby. it back. And I'm sure it works that way. I think that's, that's, that's a specious argument in search of logic. No, it's an she can drop her baby off anonymously and walk away. And I think she should have the right to do that. So but to say that a man point? shouldn't have some right to go to a court and say, I, I don't want to be, I want to relinquish responsibilities and rights because I had an agreement with her. She said we weren't going to have a baby. I think you should have some say. You know, is the name of the organization you work for Planned 
Parenthood or work. is it Planned Motherhood? It's very I confusing. I don't work for Planned Parenthood. You, you, you work with them? Did All you? right. And you're arguing a point that I'm fundamentally not going to agree on. I think fathers should have to take care of children they father. And there you and have And I don't it. think they should and be able to walk away from them. And, they, and this, is, this defines the issue so well. Because if you're an advocate for reproductive choice... See, I believe, if you're it's, arguing a, for I believe a man's it's a right fundamental to human children, right to choose parent. Once you choose it, then you should be responsible. The and good you time to choose that is when you put on a condom. Yes. You, you realize, you do realize, I hope, that what you're arguing is not a new argument. It's the argument that was used against women for centuries. You know, don't have sex. If you don't, are you saying that if a woman doesn't use contraception, she shouldn't have the right to No, because abortion's drugs? legal. Yes, and, I, and what I'm arguing is that choosing whether to be a parent or not should be a, a legal choice that either a man and woman can embrace. You that can't is basic choose human it right. after the baby shows up. Well, you suppose, you, suppose you choose it beforehand. Suppose a man and woman actually sit down and they talk and they sign a contract and they agree they're not going to bring a baby into the world. They've made a choice, an agreement, a decision beforehand. It doesn't matter in your mind what they agree to? Is that what you're saying? Are you saying that that agreement should supersede any decision she makes after that? Well, she should have the right to decide what she wants to do with the okay, baby. Okay, so but, which and, position and are you arguing? Answer, and here's my answer to what I think we should do with children who are brought into the world. I don't, I don't think the answer is to force people to be parents. I think this. I think that our nation needs to renew its commitment to its children. For me, I'll just tell you what that means. That means we need to restore the top marginal tax rate to where it was when that man was president of the United States or when Eisenhower was. When we, have, we, took, we collected taxes then. If we did yep. that from rich people, we have the money to take care of children. That's the answer. It's Are not you, taking fundamental rights Mel, away from Mel men. Mel fights the only person ever to be like, let's go back to the glory days of Nixon. Mel, <laughs> You've got to go back to the time of Nixon. 70% marginal tax rate. Then we could do that now okay. and we'd be able to take care of our Mel, children. Mel, are you sure. a father? No, I'm not a father. I am a father, and the reason I take care of my kids has nothing to do with the top marginal tax rate. No, but there are children. You asked me whether what we do with children who are unwanted, who need support. No, I didn't ask you. I said we take care of them. That is the law, and that is what we should yes. be doing. It's I'm not saying, a question. And we're defining You're the issue. Arguing we're that it should be we're defining from. the issue really well. I'm glad we're having this discussion because I stand up as a. I make a principled stand about reproductive choice for men and women. It can't be that it's a fundamental human right that applies only to people who have internal reproductive systems. It won't stand that way. If yeah. you want to make it stand, you have to say all human beings are entitled to choose when they're going to be parents. Then they have to be responsible, but not that they, if they have a sexual relationship, we take that right away from them. Situations of abuse where the dude's like terrible and all that, and then the woman realizes she's, uh, you know, raped or uh, the, you know, or uh, the, the person's a monster. At the end of the day, uh, you think that the man should have enough. 50-50 say in going into the abortion clinic? No, look, I, I don't want to take I, I don't want to take from her the right to control her body. That's not something that that's not my advocacy. My advocacy is that he should have some say over the decisions that affect his life. I don't want it so that a, a man will lose reproductive choice simply because he chooses to have sex. You know, that's what the lawyers who were uh, represented Wade and Roe versus Wade no, that's what they said. They said a woman doesn't have to have reproductive choice. Her reproductive choice is don't have sex. It was a ludicrous argument. It wasn't accepted then. Well, that it should also be for a man that it shouldn't be that you give up your reproductive choice if you choose to have sex. That's all I'm saying. Well, I agree, but there's a whole bunch of different things that you can do while having sex towards the end there that make sure you don't have a baby. Um, like what? You can pull out, oh. or you just, you know, whatever it might be. Dare I say, even do you, do you on know, opening do, day, you can think about baseball. There you go. There you it's go. perfect. Yeah. I will be calling my penis an external reproduction system from now on. Uh, yeah. Oh, you want to see my external reproductive system? Hey, where are you going? Um, do, you, do, you, do you agree with but, the Planned Parenthood decision to support a woman who threw her live baby in a dumpster? I think that's a, a good choice. A, that's it is not do. a normal story. But it's what happened. I'm asking Jason if he agrees with it. I don't know anything about the facts of that case except right. for what you tell me. And so far, I don't really have a lot of reason to trust your facts. Um, Google it and find out. Everyone's um, Googling it. Mel, I want to talk about one thing. You, you, uh, the men's rights movement is ironically liberal in uh, certain ways. Universities right now are going through and they're having... Uh, 
they want students to sign consent forms before sex, which is, it's like, you know, Ariel and the Little Mermaid uh, with Ursula and things like this. It's very, uh, I'm not sure, it's, it's going to be a difficult thing to broach in conversation if you're getting hot and, and heavy with a gal. But this is actually something that you thought about in the early 90s was a consent policy uh, for, you know, I would assume to protect the man. You did research. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't Antioch College doing this in the 90s too? I mean, I think they came out with a sexual consent contract. Okay. And it was, yeah, we did it to protect men from false accusations, correct? So the question is, uh, as a small government, I'm more of a libertarian type, isn't this the most invasive thing you can possibly have? Uh, to, to be forcing people in order, before they go into a, you know, if you don't trust the person enough that you're about to be having sex with and you need to bring legality into it, uh, maybe this isn't the person you should be getting with. Yeah, well... Um, we came out with a sec- – I didn't expect when I wrote a consensual sex contract that people having lawyers hiding in the closet before they What did you think? What, what was the point of it then? We were trying to make a point about how men had no protections from false accusation, and we were doing it somewhat tongue-in-cheek about how, how men need to have some protection. Uh, the woman who ran the sex crimes unit in New York City, the district attorney put rapists in jail, said that 50 percent, one-half of all rape claims made by women – uh, in New York were false. And when did th- she say that? See, this is where the men's well, right movement I'm, I'm runs up into a I'm hearing noises. I don't know what the noises mean, they but that's blues. what she said. I also was there at the time and talked to her. Our lawyer talked to her. That's exactly what she said. 50% were false. If you don't like the number, take it up with the woman who said it. All right. Your thoughts. What do you think? Uh, all credible, throughout the history of... Uh, all credible studies show that the incidence of uh, false reported rapes is extraordinarily low. The reason they can come up with... It, 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 at, at, That's false. Uh, That's not true. What you just well, we have the, we have the Jackie I'm story talking in Rolling CDC, Stone. Is, I'm talking right. Department of Justice. I'm talking about sure. Northeastern University. They've studied it and studied it. Two to two to ten percent at tops. The reason they can come up with fifty percent or forty percent, which is what the men's rights movement usually cites, is because they're in, uh, they're including studies that that where cops would try to uh, would force uh, rape survivors to take polygraph tests. Well, a lot of them would refuse to do that because that's intimidating. They also include in that number, uh, they conflate withdrawn complaints with false complaints. A lot of people walk away from them for various reasons, good and bad. There, there are victims who uh, fail to cooperate with the police. There are, a lot of times their stories will change because we're talking about a violent trauma and you know, your memories of, of violent trauma are not reliable. And so when the story changes, they call that a false accusation. Uh, and a lot of times, if they didn't report it to the authorities right away, which I suspect is inflating that number that you heard, um, they're mm-hmm. calling that a false report. And that's how we get to a thing with Todd Aiken, where they're saying some rapes are true and some rapes are illegitimate. Like, they will pass laws in these states saying, okay, well, you can't, you can't get uh, an abortion after so many weeks, even if... if you were raped, but you didn't report it right away, which ignores the way it actually plays out in real life. You know, if you're brutally attacked, sometimes you don't go running to the police right away. Sometimes you just curl up in a fetal ball and try to survive. Well, you might be terrified about going and hanging around a bunch of armed men. Well, that Um, and also you don't, there is a legitimate worry for a lot of these women about what people will say if they say, oh, I was raped. Because there are apparently some people out there who say half of all accusations are false. Right. Yeah, you did read about that whole Virginia Tech thing. Look, here's the yeah, thing. and you know what? And hold, see, hold, that was a hold, false hold, accusation hold, hold, that was debunked hold, easily hold on, because hold, it didn't and, hold and, up. And, and, and not the only one. Too much I want to be clear about where I get my number from. Uh, the woman who ran the sex crimes unit in New York City said 50% of accusations were false. She was interviewed on what was Court TV at the time by the lawyer for the National Center for Men. He asked her specifically about that number. She affirmed it. I called her office, asked for affirmation. They affirmed it. That's where I'm getting my number from, from the assistant district attorney in New York City. The Justice Department, the FBI, does put it around 8 or 10%. You're right. They compile that 8 or 10% number with with cases that are proven to be false, where they know it's false, which means that about 8 or 10% of the women who, who are, make accusations of rape would be convicted if they were charged with making a false accusation. The 8 to 10% number is where they know it's false. The 50% number, I just want you to be clear about where I'm getting it from. The woman who ran the sex crimes unit said it's 50%. That's where I'm taking my number from. And here's where I think the men's rights movement fundamentally falls apart. They can, these are men using statistics to tell women about their experiences, and I don't know a lot of women who buy it. 
Oh, I don't know, know a lot what? of women. That if if when, you were accused of rape falsely and you didn't do it, it would be a very personal, important issue for you. Sure. To, yes. And that's but if what you I'm were saying. raped, it would be pretty yes, important to you. Yes, of course. And, and when and, one in five women know, in this country and, are raped, they know what's know, going and, and on. You know, and, you, and if you're falsely accused of rape, you know what's going on. And you know what if I like about the 50-50 number? It's a really ugly statistic, but I really like about it. In some perverse way, it affirms what I believe is an article of faith in my work that men and women are are equal in every respect. We love each other equally. We hurt each other equally. There's a, there, there are almost 300 studies that will tell you that domestic violence is also a 50-50 proposition. Everywhere you look, you see the 50-50 number. Almost Google it. Jesus, that was like Ike and Tina's logic. Oh my God. Ike and Tina, at, we're no, no. both miserable all the time. All you have to do okay. is look it up. <laughs> Very... Um, uh, men's rights movement, when it comes to actually, there are some very violent uh, rape acts against men, a lot of times in prison, things like that. What is your stance on this? I mean, this is male-on-male violence. One of the things I said in my little opening thing there was that one of the reasons that you have to have a men's movement is you're looking at, at m more prisoners being male than female, a lot more prisoners. It's either because men are inherently violent and destructive, or there's something about the society that winds up throwing men in jail. I, I, I again, I, the reason that there are more black people in jail than whites is because there's racism in the culture. The reason that there are more men in prison than women is that there's sexism in the culture. And yeah, we have to take what happens to men in prison seriously. It's a men's issue. It's a reason why you need to have a men's movement. It's, the men's movement is not here because of what some sicko, your opening was really distorted, what some sicko did when he murdered women. The men's movement is here because men face serious issues and women who love them, women who have husbands and brothers and fathers and sons are also coming into the men's movement now because they understand we had better take, you know, we could ignore what men feel and then hope that those feelings, those resentments, whatever, will just evaporate in the thin air, but it doesn't work that way. It kind of poisons the soul and hurts our relationships with women. But I'm talking about issues that, legitimate issues that men have, we need to have a place to talk about them, and that's the men's movement, that's why there is a movement. Is it just, is it alienating, just the term men's movement alone? Is, that, is it a marketing problem? Well, is it a marketing problem? Maybe for you, I don't know. But, but I, what I think is that is that more and more women are coming to understand that, you know, I want to say something to you. You are, I, I guess Can you're a Democrat. we talk about the prison thing? I, I, before we change the subject on yeah. one of your flights again, I want to get back to that. I sympathize with men who go to prison and worry about getting raped. That sounds awful. That also sounds exactly like what women think every night when they walk down the street. That... The thing that is which doesn't which which makes their claims uh, you right. Know, that's valid. one a prisoner problem, right? And two, it's a racism problem because men uh, white men do drugs just as much as as uh, black men do. Oh, I, I haven't touched them at all today. Yeah, totally. You've been great. You look clean and you thank look you. fresh. Oh, I like good. it. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. So is yeah. it a sexism but, problem that there are more men in jail than women? Is no, that I a think sexism it's a, problem? It's. Well. I, I think if you took care of the racism. You know, and prosecuted people. If Racism, you, you can if, see, if but everyone, not sexism. If everyone is prosecuted like white men, I think the prisons would be, you know, more than half empty. I think the problem is we keep packing these prisons full of black men. And that's what ruins the entire family dynamic and the entire thing is, is caused. Um, yeah, black men. That's difficult. right. It's both a racism and a sexism yeah, problem. I the think, fact that you can only see half of the problem is kind of astonishing. Well, I think, I, I don't think it's a male problem because I think if you ask men, any black, black men, if you black ask men. Yes, oh, really? I'm sorry, say that again. Black I mean, men. Okay, and I think if you ask any black man in America if they'd like to be treated like a white man, I think they'd leap at the chance. And I think men who are thrown in jail, in some cases for false accusations of domestic violence, or rape or sexual abuse would like the courtesy to be treated like a woman where they wouldn't be in prison where women get a lot lesser sentences than men for doing the same crime. You you know, know, I just, I just know, wanted to say something You know to why you. they don't get prosecuted as much for domestic violence is because normally it's in abusive relationships when they're trying to, you know, yeah, protect themselves. Yeah, I've heard that before. You're right. And it's uh, true. Here's the thing. You know, here, here's, what, here's what I... I, I do want to say something to you, though, because you, you, are you, you do are a democratic strategist, or you have been, or... Okay, so here, I, I would really like your point of view on this. I think, given what Republicans stand for now, um, every Democrat should win every election by a landslide. I mean, I just think, so why is it? Why that, do you think that? 
Well, because I think Republicans are a regressive bunch who would take uh, needed social programs away from, from elderly, from sick, from poor, from children. I don't understand why there's a single Republican in the Congress, and yet they control both houses. And I wonder what you're thinking about this, and I will tell you what my idea is about it. I think a lot of progressive men, historically Democratic men, won't vote Democrat anymore because the Democratic Party has declared that there's a war on women. I know, I get it. My issues as a man are not welcome where you are in the Democratic Party. So we don't vote, or we grit our teeth and vote Republican, but I think that as long as you maintain this obsessive need to cater to the women's movement, you are going to lose election after election after governor's election, state legislatures, Senate, and House. Deal with economic issues, not gender issues, and you'll win back the Congress. That's a very interesting thought, and a lot of people agree with you. Um, and you're not completely wrong, so you know, Ooh. you're getting better. Ooh. That's great. Um, the problem, though, is that the, you ask voters what they think, and they kind of disagree with you. Even in the off-year elections, when it's a much smaller electorate, and I'll try to make this really quick because I'm about to bore myself, um, you start talking about threats to take away abortion rights. The voters that that motivates more are men. Democratic men are more likely to get out and vote when you talk about that. They don't like people pushing women around. They don't like that. Um, there are more anti-abortion women in this country than there are anti-abortion men. I don't think it splits down neatly along gender lines like you imagine. I think there is something to what you're talking about, but it's, but the reason Democrats uh, talk about the war on women is because we're trying to get our vote out, and that includes, yeah. a, he that includes a heck of a lot of men. But it didn't work, did it, in the last round Dude, of the election? no. No, it didn't. But so maybe go to school on that and talk about no, no, health care and jobs and those kinds of economic issues instead of a war on that's women. That's great. Yeah, that, I think we really could have won Congress back if we talked about Obamacare. That's brilliant. Oh, analysis. yes. If you, if, you, if you talked about Obamacare, not the way Schumer did, but by not apologizing for it, but by standing up okay, for universal is, national health healthcare, you would get votes. Yes. You this, would get, yeah? I, no, I think. no. There is no evidence that that is true. Jason, go back to that. So you think there there's, are, there there's are more pro-life, I mean, I grew up in an evangelical home, certainly my, right. my mother's extremely pro-life, uh, more pro-life women than there are pro-life men. Yeah, it doesn't, when we think of things strictly along gender lines, we're blind to a lot of the realities of the way things are. There are geography has a bigger uh, predictive value on how people behave than gender does. Uh, whether or not someone's married or single, really does. Um, but there are Democratic men out there who will vote in a presidential year who won't vote in an off year. Just because of habit, we have got this weird right. math of all of our voters are used to voting for Obama, and then they go, okay, four years off, sweet. Right. And the pro they are motivated by these issues. There's a huge gender gap. Do you not know that? I mean, it's customarily seen that women are voting for Democrats, but there are two genders. And the gender gap indicates to me that a lot of men, and I think there are progressive men who are voting for Republican. Clearly, there's a gender gap that cuts both ways. Men are not voting for Democrats the way women are. You agree with that? I would. Uh, I, would I just want to say there's more than two genders. Um, because there's oh, thank you. Gen yes. my gender, which is called the funny gender, and that's when I stand in front of the mirror and I tuck my penis, and then I'm like, I'm a big... Is that, would that be your yeah, like, I'm my own wife. outer reproductive organ? Yeah, yeah exactly. Thank then you. I go to an internal reproductive organ. You, you turn system. your Audi into an innie. Exactly. Yeah. So let's not forget about that third gender, please. Thank you. No, uh, we could fill up easily the rest of the time we have on how exactly you calculate the gender gap, and right. it's... it's it's largely but you're not a, denying that there's a gender gap. No, I'm saying we have a huge gender gap among women, and when we talk about abortion in the right way, we close it among men, certain men, some places, other places, like Alabama, there's really no hope. So it depends right. on where you are, which men you're talking about. And, and I'm making which, the point that if you pursue you're making a progressive, point men, and progressive men, you might win no, elections. No. You're not winning now. No, the, oh, right. the, well, the number one issue that motivated progressive men in the last issue was reproductive rights. They didn't care about Obamacare. They didn't want to show up and vote for anything good. They were mad that Republicans were coming to take away women's rights. That's oh, right. what they were mad about. We got to end it up, but one. Let's just do a con on the men's rights movement, a pro on the men's rights uh -oh. movement, and then that'll be it. Uh -oh. All right. So let's do the con first. So we'll end one with Mel. Absolutely. I think uh, if the men's rights movement was a valid civil rights movement. We'd be seeing what we see a lot in uh, with GLBT when you have a lot of straight allies. With the feminism movement, you got a lot of men who go, okay, that makes sense. Even with gun rights, uh, with gun safety, the Bradys 
came out and started campaigning on gun safety. And a lot of gun owners said, yeah, maybe we don't need machine guns. That probably sounds like a good idea. With the men's rights movement, I don't see a whole bunch of women going, huh. I see a whole bunch of women saying, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah. Now, so I'm sure if a woman announces that she's not anti-feminist, you're not saying that that immediately no, means that I mean, she's pro-men's No, I don't think there's a big subsection of women in this country thinking, you know what, men really don't have it all that good. They might agree that some... T- yeah. Right. So I'm sure that there are some women that agree with you. I'm sure there's a little subset there. This is more about the politics of aggrieved resentment that we see in the white supremacist movement, which I know has nothing to do with you, and I don't want to cast asparagus there. But... Of, of people who feel like they're not getting theirs that they used to get, as opposed to we want equality, which is the end result of all progress yeah, in this country. But, and I think there are elements where you are headed towards equality, but the men's right movement really just seems like a manifestation of resentment to me. Okay. Um, all right, Mel, in, in uh, defense well, of okay. the men's rights movement. Um, well, first of all, you're not completely wrong. I mean, I think that men have a lot of resentment, and the choice is for us to find constructive ways to express it or to silence it. I think women understand that there's resentment that men have, and you look at the statistics on divorce, on sexual violence and abuse, you see it's not the way it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to be at war with each other. So, you know, the men's movement can work well by encouraging men to talk positively about this thing, but when we do it, you have to be willing to listen to us non-judgmentally and try to understand what we say, because if you try to shut us down, nothing's going to get any better. The men's movement is absolutely not uh, an attempt to go backward. It is, at least in my movement, a very progressive movement where the goal is equality. My belief, and where we disagree, is that I think the women's movement abandoned that as a goal, and I think if you're for real equality between men and women, the place to be is the men's movement. Thank you so much, Mel. Thank you so much, Jason. I want to say this in closing. Mel, you should be allowed to wear a skirt in public whenever you want to. So don't even worry about it. True can equality. Mel Fly wears I, a skirt. Can I wear a skirt when I come well, back for the next time? For the next one? Yeah, yeah. we'll get you a different seat and we'll face you the other way. Uh, that'll be great. Thank you so much, Jason Stanford, for being here. And, uh, and of course, Mel Fight. And uh, all right, that's this month's Sweating Nixon. We'll talk to you guys soon. Holy Lord, did you know we were so disenfranchised? Hmm? Ah, did I know? Well, you do now, Marcus. I've been on Reddit. (laughs) I've been on Reddit. I know how disenfranchised we are. Good, good. (laughs) Um, All right, so that was the men's rights debate. Thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, make sure to check out Marcus Parks on Twitter. I'm Ben Kissel on Twitter, and uh, go to iTunes and support Ableton's Top Bet. We'll talk to you soon. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.